This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca, joined by the great E.J. Raddick. How are you, sir? I'm good. Great, Don LaGreca. What's happening today? Uh, just snow. I was just outside with the kids with the snow, which was great, but the last couple of days, real enough. You know, you go two years without yeah. it, and then you got to make up for it in one day. Yeah, well, I live so far away that I was not really impacted too badly at my home. But I had to be uh, at our studios in Secaucus for a couple of days. And so they were kind enough to, uh, you know, have me stay over nearby. But it was, uh, boy, that that, uh, Monday was incredibly tough to get around. So uh, hope everybody's safe out there. Yeah, combined with everything else that's going on. And let's go with a couple of issues before we start talking about the games. And, and, And I think there's a real concern around what's happening with the Devils and the Sabres, right? I mean... The Devils are in protocol now for the next week. Sabres are in. And I just want to get your thoughts or what's being talked about around the league. Is there a legitimate concern that this might have been transmittable on the ice in those two games over the weekend? Well, you know, I don't want to speculate about something like that. I haven't talked to any any people at the league that have access to the medical uh, community that would have that, have that answer. But the games are being played indoors. It's colder. Um, there are some science that indicates that that's uh, more of a possibility. So hard for me. Like I said, I, I don't really want to speculate on it until I speak to somebody who absolutely would know right. what the feelings are there from the from the data and from the, the scientists. But uh, you know, we've played a bunch of games, Don, and if it was that transmittable, you know, we would have seen more of it. And we don't even know for certain if it happened this way. We do know this, that the Devils had a had an incident as they arrived in Buffalo with uh, one of their players, who I don't think made the trip. I think it was Travis Ajak, and I don't think he made the trip. Right. But he was involved with his teammates, and then subsequently after two back-to-back games in Buffalo, the Buffalo Sabres had an issue. Now, whether it was transmittable during the game or maybe it was transmittable, you know, in the in the run-up to the game. Underneath, who knows? I, again, I, I wasn't there. I didn't see. Like you know, they're taking every precaution they can take. So it's hard to say at this point. Um, but certainly, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> I am very sure <laughs> that the league is looking into exactly uh, the timeline of what went on there and to try to find out if that was the case. Because if it is, you know, that's problematic. Obviously. Oh well, sure. And, and listen, we don't know. It's just it's something that's on the table, right? And I, you can't just dismiss it out of hand because it's convenient to say that that didn't happen because, boy, that opened up uh, really a Pandora's box. There was a uniqueness, though, to this because, really, we've only been playing games indoors with the NBA and the NHL since December 22nd. So this has really only been about five weeks in which we've played. Yeah. And as you said, the NHL is a little bit different because of the cold, and, and we do know – that it doesn't travel as well in humidity um, as it does in the brisk cold, which is unique to an ice surface. And they did play back-to-back games. They played two afternoon games on a Saturday and a Sunday in Buffalo. So there was a uniqueness to that as well, right? There wasn't a day off in between. So a rapid-fire succession. So it could just, even if it did happen, it could just be a perfect storm of circumstances. But it's it's something to keep an eye on. And we knew that this was going to happen uh, during the course of the year, that there were going to be suspensions and postponements and all that. So that's not that crazy. It just, this seemed a little bit different. And I guess it's probably something I would think the league's going to keep an eye on. 
Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I, I mean, that's the one thing we know for certain. I mean, say what you want about all the professional sports, and certainly I can only speak to with any you know degree of knowledge in the National Hockey League, what they're doing. They have been, uh, you know, safety has been first with the commissioner and with their group, um, you know, from day one. And I don't say that because I work for the NHL Network, and, you know, people will always, if I make any comments that are, you know, uh, in a pro league right away, it's like, well, you know, what are you going to say? Actually, there's a lot of ways to say a lot of things. <laughs> you know? Right. But I would tell you that uh, safety has been has been job one for these guys right from the get-go. They were able to play in the bubble and get everything done. That was a totally different scenario. The NHL, like the NBA, like the NFL, like Major League Baseball, is trying to get through this season under very difficult circumstances. So far, they've had some bumps along the way, just like the NBA has had, just like Major League Baseball had, just like the NFL has had, and they're trying to manage that. So we will see uh, you know, how things continue to play out. As we know, Don, there are no guarantees in anything anymore. So no. these guys will uh, continue to try to do it, and if it's deemed uh, problematic and unsafe, they'll stop. Your thoughts on the other big story, the waiving of uh, Tony D'Angelo. Just to give an update, he cleared waivers. The Rangers actively trying to trade him, and, and apparently there are reports today that there are teams interested. Uh, the Rangers made it clear he will never play for this organization again, so there's no scenario in which he'd be sent down to Hartford. Uh, just your general um, thoughts on what went down over the last 72 hours. Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, Donnie, it's unfortunate that a, a young man that has the kind of talent that allowed him to be drafted in the first round of the NHL draft in 2014 by the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, has been, you know, through his own issues, has put himself into these situations. I mean, he's bounced from Tampa to Arizona, the Rangers. Last year he had a terrific year with the Rangers. It looked like he was maturing and finding his way as a, as a professional athlete. And, uh, he signed a new two-year contract. I think it was on October 15th, and a uh, pretty lucrative deal for someone that's had really the one good season. And it was a real good season. He was among a handful of defensemen to have 50 points last year. I mean, I view him as kind of a one, like a one-dimensional defender. He's more of an offensive defender, but he's got great offensive skills. I don't think he defends as well. But there are a lot of guys like that in the NHL. And, uh, you know, you need different pieces to make it all work. So I think from that standpoint, it's really unfortunate. And, you know, you hope someone can, you know, that's in that situation that has that kind of talent, that kind of gift, the ability to play at the highest level, to really earn a great living and to to live out a dream, can figure out their own personal behavior to fit in with the group. Now, you know, that said, the Rangers know, uh, you know, far more than we even know about it. We know the different stories. We heard the incident with Georgiev. There's been other things. There's obviously his... His, his personal viewpoint on things, his social media uh, issues that he kind of gets himself involved with. There's all that kind of thing. At, at the end of the day, though, you have to have the ability to play within a team and you have right. to have the ability to play nice within a group of, you know, 20 or 25 guys that you're basically living around day in and day out for months at a time. So uh, the Rangers know all the different stories behind the scenes, some that we know, some that we probably don't. They've determined that, uh, you know, they would prefer not to go on without him. And that's a pretty big statement because he was a, an important player for them last year. So uh, we'll see about where it goes. I mean, you're right. There are, apparently there are teams with interest. I think it's a really 
a really tricky one. If I'm another team, I'm like if I'm a young rebuilding team, I don't know if I want that kind of personality around younger players. If I'm an older team, uh, I better have a real strong leadership group that could really, uh, you know, let this guy know what life will be like within our group. And I think that teams are, that are willing to take the chance and thinking that perhaps they can kind of change this individual, which I find usually that doesn't happen. Right. They'll be in the circumstance where they'll be looking to move a problem of their own to the Rangers or maybe gain an asset to take this problem off the Rangers' hands. The Rangers will likely have to eat money. And in the end, if it doesn't work out for the team, if there is a team that decides to take an opportunity or take a chance, they can buy him out at the end of the season for just one-third because of his age and experience level, just one-third of his remaining contract, which would be one-third of $4.8 million is $1.6 million over twice the term, which is two years, so it would be an $800,000 cap hit over the next two years following this season. So there would be kind of limited risk, and that might be even less, depending upon how the Rangers right. uh, divvy up the contract. So uh, to me, these kind of stories are unfortunate and sad for the individual, but I think the Rangers have to do what they think is best for their group, and they're loaded on defense. They, they might be short right now, but they've got a number of good young defenders in their pipeline, and they probably don't see this as a long-term problem. Yeah. And you're, and you're right. And, and, and the bottom line is this, um, regardless of what side you want to take or everything, the, the fact is before the, the altercation with Georgiev, according to the Rangers, it was made very clear to him there was zero tolerance. And, and that incident still yeah. took place. So what that tells you is, is that there's an issue there that they just couldn't deal with anymore. And they knew what you had just said about the one-third of the salary. And they know yeah. that if, it, if, it, if the worst comes to worst, they have to eat that money for the salary cap. The, the fact that they're willing to do that tells you that there's a there's a major issue going on there and we'll see what team decides to tackle it rangers i'm sure are going to have to eat some more money if they do make a deal so either way they're going to have to eat some money or they're going to have to eat some money when they decide to buy them out so that's the price i guess for doing business and that's the way it's got to move forward so i'm sure that the yeah, all the stories like will come saying, out but we can all make the assumptions yeah i mean it's just a, it's like i said it's unfortunate for for the player, it's unfortunate for the team, but in the end, like I mean, you know, you got to behave yourself. I mean, like, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you're expected to live in a, you know, in society and in a community where, uh, you know, you have to kind of get along with others and not just, you know, you can't just, you know, short circuit or flip out when things don't go your way. And, or, and it's all, and, 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 and it all comes down the way to the life. It's the performance on the ice. You know, we're also talking about a player that's a minus six. He's got one point. You know, yeah. he's taking bad yeah. penalties. And, and, you know, I was talking to somebody, you know, close to the situation that said, you know, just just the, just the, the relationship with the referees, which have been a problem his entire career. And I don't know if people have realized this now, but because of COVID, you're, you're facing the same officials almost every night. You know, so if yeah. you've got a problem with one guy, you're most likely facing that official. It's not like the playoffs where they keep changing the officials every game. You know, the next night you're probably going to have the same linesmen, the same officials, and that's going to now hurt the team. And he has been yeah. hurting the team this year. And and, that, and that's it. Now, would things have been different if he was on his way to another 53-point season and had like six goals and ten assists through through nine games? Uh, maybe, maybe their tolerance level would be a little higher. But this yeah. is this is an on-ice issue as well, EJ. This is a guy that was not performing at all this season. That's correct. And like I said, he's been through this. Is the Rangers his third team? Looks like he's headed to his fourth organization. Um, I talked to people that were around him in those other places, and uh, particularly in Tampa, where you know he didn't spend too much time, but he was around for camps, and they 
they obviously got to know him a little bit, and you know they were uh, they were happy to, to move him along. And that says a lot again for a guy who was drafted with the I believe it was the 19th overall pick in the 2014 draft. So teams usually aren't quick to move high draft picks that quickly unless they really feel like there's going to be a problem. So um, he's going to have to figure something out down the road that has to be different or he will be Mm -hmm. going through this repeatedly until the time comes that he can no longer work in the National Hockey League. So what has gotten into Joe Pavelski? 36 years old, and he just can't help but score. So has he found the fountain yeah. of youth? Now, listen, we saw him in the playoffs last year. He was good. So, so, uh, and he's always been a good player. But how, how do you, uh, where do you attribute to this resurgence here for a player that's supposed to be starting to wind down here? Um, well, he just works his he works his tail off. I mean, that's the first thing he always has. I mean, he was a later round pick. Uh, coming into the NHL, uh, as a college player, USHL player going back many, many years. He just doesn't know any other way except to work. I mean, I know I was down in Dallas last year, Donnie, for uh, I believe it was Zach Parisi's thousandth game in the National Hockey League. They sent me down there to kind of uh, do some stuff on that, and the Stars in the Wild were playing, and I went to the morning skate and saw Dallas, and the the first guy out there in the morning was Joe Pavelski tipping pucks, and Apparently in San Jose, and I think this is probably a well-known story, but in San Jose, he and Brent Burns would go out early every day, and Brent Burns would shoot pucks, and Joe Pavelski would would tip pucks, and they'd work on different things before practice. So, you know, that's who he is, and he's done the, he's done the same in Dallas, and he was really good in the return to play after a kind of uh, finding his way with the Stars after coming over from San Jose after spending his career there, and. Uh, you know, he's just uh, he's comfortable. He knows the situation there now, too, going into it, that Tyler Sagan is out of the mix for a while, having had a pretty significant surgery in the offseason. So he's gonna, not going to be around for, for a bit and uh, realizing how important his presence would be. And, he, you know, he knows the window is uh, closing on his career just because of the numbers, like you say. So give him a lot of credit. He's just been working. He's been a hard worker his whole life. He's really good at deflecting pucks. And when he gets into that area, when he gets between the shooter and the goaltender, uh, he's got an opportunity to get a piece of shots and get a piece of pucks. And he's just a real smart player. And he's one of those guys that you root for because, uh, you know, he comes to the rink and does his work day after day after day. And obviously you're not going to get a lot of, you know, it's a tough spot for Patrick Laine last night, right? I mean, he's been, you yeah. know, in quarantine oh, yeah. for a week, you know, jump into a, a tough situation. I, I, I still think he's going to contribute there, but that, that has to be a very weird circumstance, right? To just pluck a week out of your season and then jump back onto the ice with a brand new team. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and he hasn't played since January the 14th. He played the first game of the season for Winnipeg and he was really good. He had a, two goals, including a game winner in overtime and assist. He was involved physically during that game. Uh, so, you know, he had a really good start to the season. Then he had a, an injury, and then before he was able to come back, he was moved, and then you have to go through the whole visa process and quarantine process to get to Columbus. So, you know, we're looking at yesterday being February 2nd. He hadn't played in uh, more than two weeks, and then he jumps in with a completely new team and, and has not even had time to really practice with that group. So I think over time, they'll They'll figure it out. I think the problem for Patrick Liney and Columbus is simply this. I mean, who's, who are the centermen there? 
You know, is it going to be Texier, who is uh, someone that has played on the wing that they're trying to have at center? Is it going to be Domi playing at center with him? Is it going to be, uh, you know, Roslovic, who they acquired from Winnipeg as well, who most see as kind of a third center? So, uh, you know, that's the problem for the Jackets. For the Jackets, and that's why, I, you know, I have, you know, that's my worry in this deal. There's no question Patrick Liney is a, you know, he's a unique goal scorer. I mean, he is a big man that can shoot the puck, and he's going to score goals. But the problem for the Columbus Blue Jackets as a group now is they traded really their number one center and a guy who figured to be like a franchise building block at center, which is a position that's really critical for teams that have a, you know to have a chance to really build and, and to win and to make really noise in the postseason. So they're going to have to figure out that center position at some point and hope that a player like Texier can move there and be really effective for them. But that's a, there's a lot of ifs right now down the middle in Columbus. But I don't worry about Lina. I think he'll do what he can do. But I worry about their group because they're so thin down the middle. Yeah. And he was on a team that had, you know, lots of it. So it's a little bit of a yeah, different situation. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just at the top right there. So you had a, you know, Wheeler can play the middle. They have a number of, you know, that's a really talented group in Winnipeg and uh, it's a different kind of style game in Columbus and they have some really high-end defenders with Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski and they've got some really good players throughout their roster but they're just not strong down the middle and that's a challenge. You ready for some tweets? Let's go. All right. Mac asks, if a team were to fire their head coach, would there be a COVID protocol quarantine period before they could bring in a new coach? Do you think this might play into teams holding on to coaches longer than they might under normal circumstances? That's a great question. Um, I would think that whoever comes into a team would have to go through whatever protocol there is. So, like, for example, if there was a Canadian team that would have fired their coach um, and bring in a guy who has been been in the U.S., I mean, that would be a process, right? I mean, to get him there. We see what's going on with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, He hasn't yet to play play for, for Winnipeg. So, yeah, I would think the same protocols that are, would be in existence, and it would probably there would probably be a, an element of time where somebody would have to be the interim head coach until that guy could get there. So I think that those rules, and they're not going to waive those rules, no. so a coach can come in, especially someone who has to address the team all the time. So uh, I would say that yeah, there would be whatever the rules are in that, on that particular circumstance, and some vary by you know with state and local officials, obviously. With different countries involved, with Canada and the United States, I think whatever rules would apply that would normally apply would apply to that person as well. Uh, Tim says or asks, "How do you feel about Montreal making a run this season? I think their surprise success in the bubble showed just how good they can be. They also made some great off-season moves. Can they break the CCC, the Canadian Cup curse? I'll sell that one to you for five bucks." Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, I, I love the Canadian team right now. Now, they're vastly different than the team that was in the bubble yeah. because they've made a lot of acquisitions in the offseason. I think the thing that we that we found out from the bubble is that Kachinyemi and Suzuki are like coming, you know, are, who were first-round picks, one by the Canadians and then one that was acquired by the Canadians from, from uh, Vegas. Uh, you know, these guys are ready to take another step, right? So that was a huge find for them, you know, in that time in between when we stopped playing in March and when we started playing in uh, August, um, those guys used that time wisely and they mature like all young players do and they seem to be able to take another step. So 
that was really important for Mark Bergevin to determine, like, hey, I got more than I thought I had here, and these guys are ready. So then he went out in the offseason and he made all these acquisitions, uh, you know, brought in Josh Anderson, which was a high-risk, high-reward kind of move for a guy that's had injury issues. But so far, he's been healthy, big, strong winger that, that can make a difference. I mean, I'm sure the Jackets would love to have kept him. But, uh, you know, they were worried about injury issues. Mm-hmm. He was maybe thinking about, you know, another scenario. You know, you couldn't figure out how you going to, how you wanted to pay him. And Montreal took the risk of acquiring him and paying him a pretty significant long-term contract. So, so far, so good there. Uh, you know, they've added Joel Edmondson on defense. They've added Alexander Romanoff as a, as a young player that they had drafted that's come in and been very good for them. Jake Allen is the number two goalie. I mean, they've had a number of guys. I'm sort of missing guys when I talk about it. And then Jeff Petrie at age 33 seems to be getting better with age and has had a great start to the season. Tyler Toffoli has been had a terrific start to the season. So I yeah, really Seven like goals out of him. You couldn't think that was going to happen. You can tell Nancy the Montreal Canadiens have a really good chance of going a long way this year. I really like their team. And uh, it seems like it might come down to them in Toronto in the uh, Canadian division, and that would be some series. <laughs> no, that would be. Toronto playoff series in, in forever, it seems like. And uh, that would be something special. But uh, I like the Canadian team right now. If they stay healthy, I think they got a chance to go a long way, maybe win it all. Yeah, it's tough to tell when you're playing the same teams over and over again, you know. So they just happen to get a lot of points. <clears throat> excuse me, off of Vancouver, and, but yeah, hey, that, 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 that's the format. They, that's the worst matchup in the world for the Canucks. They, I'll tell you what, they they better hope if they sneak into the playoffs somehow that they don't have to deal with the Canadians because if they do, they better come up with another game plan because right now uh, it hasn't been good. No, it hasn't been good. Finally, Sam Diaz says, "Gentlemen, here is a stat for you." Five goals, four assists, plus one. That's what currently the current healthy centers for the New York Rangers have combined for in nine games. Is this as much an issue for the team as their defensive woes and shaky goaltending? Well, I think they're expecting more out of Spanish. I mean, he had an unbelievable season last year, even despite injury. I think he led the NHL in goals per game because he played fewer games but had over 40 goals. So I'm pretty sure he led the league in, in goals per game. And so far it's been been a slower start for for Mika. I'm thinking he's going to come around, but you know that's certainly the biggest issue when you talk about the centers because he's going to drive those numbers when he's going well and he's producing points. Uh, you know he's going to drive that, and right now, uh, you know that just hasn't happened for him. So he's got to get going. Uh, he's he's shown us through his body of work that he that you know he has the ability to do that, but he's got to find his way. And then as it trickles down after that, I always felt like you know Hedo is out now, and that hurts them. Uh, I always felt the Rangers, uh, you know, that's after Zibanejad, they've got to figure out who are going to be their centers and, and how that's going to look. Is Ryan Strome somebody that's really going to be, you know, is he just a kind of handcuff with with Panarin or is he someone that, you know, can continue to produce and, and, and continue to have good years? So, uh, you know, that's the question, I think, for Jeff Gordon and that staff, and I don't think it's anything they, they haven't looked at. It's like, you know, who are they going to be, you know, the, the two, three, and fours down the road? But the Banajad not producing right now is the yeah. biggest part of that problem, and he's got to get going. And I think they're a little disappointed in the progression of Howden. Yeah, but I think, I think you know, Howden is really like a 3-4 standard right. to me, right? I mean, on a good team, on a good team, you know, on a good team, he might be a four. You know, I don't even know if he's a three. I mean, he's I haven't been a seen four on the Rangers for a lot say. of the season. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but you know, again, he's a young player, and 
if those other guys are producing, right, like if Zibanejad is producing to the level that we all believe he can, there's less worry, there's less pressure on a guy like Howard, you know, who is trying to find his So, um, you know, I think the worry isn't those guys at the back end. They'll, you know, those guys, you'll sort it out over time. They're going to give him opportunity. They're going to determine whether or not he can play in this league, and they'll make that determination after seeing him for a while. But I think for certain, the bigger problem is that if Mika Zibanejad continues to struggle, yeah, and continues to not produce. I mean, now you have a big problem on your hand because he's your number one center. I kind of think he's going to figure it out because he's been a really good player in this league. But uh, you know, that's that would be one that I would be you know through the first uh, ten games or so or whatever it is now for the Rangers. You know, I'd be like, you know, hey, we need we need Mika to get going. That's a big, you know, that's a big hole right now when he's not producing. EJ, always a pleasure. I'm glad we were able to get connected, right, and friend. we will talk to you next week, buddy. You got it, my friend. Have a All good right. week. Try to stay warm. I will. All right. That is the great EJ Raddick. Always fun to talk to him. We've got actually a 5.30 game today. I'm not sure when you're listening to the podcast, but the Red Wings and the Lightning hooking up in Tampa Bay for a 5.30 start. Not really sure. I'm sure I'll get tweets on why that is such an early start, but I like to have a little hockey early in the day. And then the big game, the only other game tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern on NBC Sports Net, the Bruins and the Flyers. Boston off to a great start, 6-1-2. and two. So are the Philly uh, t- team at 7-2-1, and one. so that should be a lot of fun as well. So we've got a lot to get into. The game's tonight. The game's Thursday. We'll be back with you again on Friday. Big Ranger Capital matchup we've got to talk about. Those two teams hooking up for the first time. Um, so we got to get into that because there's a slew of games on Thursday to get into for sure. Uh, the Jets and the Flames continue to play. They'll play a third consecutive time on Thursday, so we got to get into that as the Jets bounce back. That was my ice pick, by the way, the Winnipeg Jets on the money line, and that cashed in at plus 100, so I was happy about that. So thanks again to EJ Raddick. We will talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.